Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me this week is Joseph P. Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. Okay, so I guess the way I want to frame the conversation this week is coming off of something we've both been noticing is, which is we're not really fighting with people in conversation about any kind of potential immediate slide into recession, either the U.S. or elsewhere. It does feel like people have kind of come around to our view that there's at least near-term resiliency. And then the question really then becomes, well, what is the macro uh, issues for the next few months? There's issues around how much growth and how is relative performance across the world. There's issues around what happens next for inflation. And of course, there's issues which we'll continually talk about, which is where do central banks stand in their tightening processes? Um, not sure we're going to get into all of that, but let's at least start with this idea. Okay, we're not sitting here arguing about whether things are going to break in the next couple of months, but what are we actually debating? What is the key issue on growth right now? Well, I think it's kind of interesting, and we, we've been debating this all day, but you know, there when you think of business cycles, there are always these kind of mini cycles within it. And it's important to recognize that if you aren't having a, a proper business cycle, meaning a downturn, well, then that mini cycle that we're in right now, which is some softness, we've been talking about weakness in the goods sector and generally some concerns and fragility. If you're not going to break, then you tend to kind of swing back in one of these mini cycles. And while I agree that we've been surprised in our client interactions this week, and we've had a lot of them this week, uh, that people seem to have really moved away from the idea of an imminent break. Maybe I personally, I'm not sure how much you feel. I feel like maybe we've not fully um, kind of embraced the idea that if we're not going to break, then one of these mini cycles is coming up. And the biggest point, of course, is in the goods sector. And that is after six months of stagnation in goods, if we're not going into recession, the inventory drawdown, final sales holding up. And by the way, our global CapEx nowcasters tracking fairly well, two and a half, three percent, you know, that you should start to see a good sector rebound and industrial production could, could pick up. If services also continue to have some pent up pandemic demand, then maybe the second half of the year could be maybe not strong, but maybe stronger than people are expecting. And it's that kind of momentum shift that yeah i would just say here i think i think the the way to be th kind of tracking this is on a two two tier uh, approach which is to say there's a a good sector story which as you i think rightfully note once you tend to move away from weakness if you haven't actually broke there tends to be an opportunity for a lift and i'm i'm with you there the question is are we are we at that point uh, and if so, how strong will that lift be? I think the services sector story is somewhat different, uh, and it's obviously harder to track in the high-frequency data. But I think it is a story that says we've been getting more cyclical um, uh, dynamics out of services than we normally do, and it's been strong, and it is reflecting to some degree uh, normalization. And that's going to fade at some point. Getting the timing right is not easy, but I think it probably is going to start to fade in the next few months. So 
to me, it is. A, I don't. That that's that's early, right? I mean, I, I, it just feels like there's a lot of still pent up demand, and you see the anecdotes that summer travel is really gearing up strongly. Uh, you have well, some of that stuff. You have some of that stuff only. that Mike, Mike, uh, U.S. economist Mike Feroli put out on the healthcare sector. That's still very depressed from an employment standpoint. That to me is all about service sector normalization, and it's not something I think is going to disappear in two months. I didn't say it's going to disappear. I just don't think it's going to be as much of a lift as it had been in the first half of the year. Whereas, you're, as you, we noted in the mid-year outlook, service sector activity was growing close to four percent. Um, I think, and you know, you have U.S. jobs that have been growing well over three hundred thousand a month in the last six months. You've had European uh, job growth, which has been growing somewhere close to two percent, even though GDP hasn't been growing. Uh, I think as you move forward for the next few months, you're not going to lose that, but you're going to let get less intensity on that. And the thing about services, as you as you well know, is that it's such a large share of the economy that if it if it slows by a half percentage point in terms of contribution, uh, in terms of GDP, in terms of growth, it's going to slow GDP by almost the same amount. So, uh, yeah, I mean, need, I think you'll get the moderation in the in the hiring on services. That just given how strong things have been on hiring, that that wouldn't surprise me. But the, the difference, I think, is going to come on the GDP side. And we've been noting the disconnect between GDP and employment. And that really is about productivity. Productivity has been abysmal, right, contracting. And I would expect productivity to actually pick up some of the slack. And that'll give you some sustained kind of growth from service sector activity, from good sector activity. And GDP kind of holds up a bit better. Again, I think just better than expectations wherever kind of people have those set. Well, okay, I think I, I, I would just say there's two different cyclical dynamics to be tracking here. And obviously the easier one, at least supposedly the easier one, I'm not so sure it's as easy as we'd um, like it to be right now is to track what's happening in the good sector. Uh, which and is, I do which th is where we got the visibility, right? Yeah, we have visibility, but it's not making, it's not an easy call right now, but uh, um, and then the service sector, it's obviously going to be tracking it, uh, employment report to employment report and PMI report to PMI report in some sense, because that's where we get in, in the broad global picture, the, the data that we can, um, but I, can I, do, I want to just underscore this point and it's going to sound, uh, re repetitive, but if we're not breaking, then all the noise in the good sector and the difficulties we've kind of wrung our hands about in the good sector becomes kind of easy, right? Because if we're not breaking, then we know things are stretched, right? We know you've gone through a six month period where global industry has really not grown much. We know final sales have been running above that. We know the pace of inventory accumulation has been coming down. We've seen this play over and over and over again in our years of doing this, that if we're not breaking, things are gonna get up. And we can talk about the month to month confusions, but for the most part, as I said, CapEx is doing better. Tech production seems to be picking up. Manufacturing production seems to be picking up. And we know there's going to be a dynamic there. So but let's uh, let's I, I'm I, I'm totally with you on the dynamic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The timing, the timing issue is uh, is a tricky one, though. And it may, does make a difference whether this is actually starting in April, May. And we're not yet seeing it clearly in the data or whether it's going to take till August, September to start. I mean, that's a range of outcomes that makes a big difference. And then you have um, the flash PMIs, which were not good. Yeah. Uh, you have the uh, Asian ones that will be out next next week, which will add to that to that picture. 
uh, it feels to me like you've got a, a different story on the inventory cycle in the US and, and Asia and, and, and Europe. So I, I guess the, the problem I'm having is not with the concept, it's with the timing um, and whether we're actually already on that uh, lifting phase or whether we're really two or three months uh, away from it. And I'm just not cocky or confident on making a call there. So, I, you know, I don't know if you've got anything you want to add on that, but uh, it feels to me like the U.S. is is there uh, in a number of the aspects, except for the PMIs, and maybe we'll see the ISM next week. But um, yeah. the yeah, other I mean, parts I, of the world feel to me like they're still kind of chugging through something that maybe we'll get through in a couple of months. Well, I mean, but I, not I quite think there. you can say a little bit more, and it is early, and I, I recognize your reticence, and maybe I'm I'm just being a little too too cocky. And and I mean, by the way, I'll be the first to admit I was too cocky. Last, you know, six eight weeks ago, I was trying to push a similar story. But it's one of those things, that same point, which is if we go another six weeks, you know, fast forward and, and we still haven't broken, then that just makes me feel a little bit more bullish that it's it's going to start to come. And, and I agree. You you see the dynamic. It's just a matter if of it's if it's if if you can interpret the slow movement as more of an inventory correction, if it's final demand awakening and then, right. then we and come back and then we come back to come back yeah, to talking well, about whether things are things, right you can see yeah. capex global capex is is actually doing a bit better and the, the new in fact this week's news in the u.s was was pretty encouraging uh on that on that front i think the the some of the news we got on the tech sector out of asia looks like we're starting to see a more convincing bottom that has already taken hold and is starting to to pick up as I mentioned earlier, manufacturing is something, or except not, um, auto production is something that also looks like it's it's turning a corner. So it's not it's not a hundred percent prospective. It's we're seeing tea leaves, and it really timing's important here. Of course, it's just about do you want to do you want to be uh, news reading on this and kind of tell this story from behind, or do you want to get in front of it and kind of push a bit of a call here, and do you want to put some risk on the table there? That, I want to have my cake and eat it too. <laughs> so let me transit a little bit because we do want to go over a bunch of things today. Uh, I think another issue here is um, we've been kind of thinking as as we've gone through the first half of the year that there's supposed to be a pretty decent downshift in core inflation, that it is not going to be complete, but it is going to be substantial. And pretty much in the first half of the year, we didn't get anything Uh and the question is, is the more um, uh, high frequency news uh, from Europe this week on the June inflation numbers and, and perhaps a little bit of the tea leave reading as, as, as you're kind of describing it, is it telling us that that's a, hey, we're, we're about to get this. This is now going to deliver a, um, a core inflation downshift that was delayed but not deferred? Uh, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I'm going back and forth on this. I mean, obviously, in the first half of this year, I've gone from being someone who was a, more of a believer that the Goldilocks scenario was was possible, not so much the base, but certainly had a higher probability on it. And that's been undermined. And I've become on the more hawkish side of things, maybe even a little more hawkish than than you, although you, you kind of led the way on that. Um, where are we now? I, I I don't know. You're certainly seeing the the, the inflation numbers come off, uh, and I think you can talk about that downdraft and get excited about it. The story that 
we've always had in mind. And I think it's something that you, you again, led the way in, which is that, yeah, you're going to see this come off. It's just more important. Where is it going to settle? And our forecasts, it, our forecasts are still, you know, kind of immaculate disinflation. We throw that term around kind of somewhat derisively, but the irony is it's in our forecast as well, right? You look at the Decent, European yeah. forecast, you look at our U.S. forecast, we have core inflation kind of getting down below 3% on a sequential basis by the end of this year. Um, I think if that comes to fruition, then, you know, then all of this pressure, the story that you and I are talking about boiling the frog is, is just wrong. Um, no, I don't think so at all. I, I, if we're running 2.5% on core inflation by the end of this year? Well, I think the 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 point there is that by the time you see that you might have gotten another two or three central bank hikes from everybody and you might have boiled the frog it it is a there's an issue of how much more you need to go on central bank side and how quickly they will uh, stop the process uh i could easily see a situation where you could argue legitimately that if we would wait 12 months we'd get inflation under control under the current policy configuration that's not my view but i could see that and that, but that even with that, that the central banks will have gone far enough uh, over the course of 2023 that they'll set in motion the downward trajectory and the recession dynamic of 2024 that's going to be already in the cards. That's a that's a, a variation of boiling the frog. Um, boiling the frog yeah. is just that central banks keep leaning and go too far, and they may be doing that now, even if there is a a more positive inflation story underneath the surface. Now, whether that is going to happen on the inflation side remains to be seen. I think it it is going to be uh, more complicated here because it feels to me, certainly, that um, after having run 5% um, core inflation in the US and, and globally outside of China in the first half of the year, I, I would take the bet that we move uh, into the threes on the run rates here. I'm not going to push well, that's to what the I'm two. Saying. I agree. It's like, I, I guess it feels like, again, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. I mean, just make the call that inflation is going to run hotter than our forecasts. And I, and I think that's, that well, to me is what's important for driving a story that central banks are going to feel pressure, feel behind the curve. And that's, what's going to kind of pull rates higher than, uh, than currently what's in our forecast. Right. But I think what's going on right now, and I, this is not to, to fight the inflation outlook is that I think if you look at the fed and you look at the, uh, ECB and you certainly look at the bank of England, which has somewhat different dynamics that they're basically telling us that the, um, the shift in their perception about growth risks, the shift in the way they're looking at what banking stress and financial conditions are doing, that, that's that's enough to get you a couple more hikes from the Fed and a few more hikes from the bank of, from the ECB, and it's not going to be all that sensitive to what the next couple or three inflation prints are. You know, the Fed, if, if the economy is generating two hundred fifty thousand jobs per month, the Fed's gone twice at least. You know, I don't I don't care if core inflation is point, printing point two or point three oh, or point sure. four. So so you got that part of the story, and then we get later in the year and you know if you get a much more benign inflation picture maybe you're willing to to pause at that but you know i think we've made that um that shift here and it has a lot to do with this discussion we had earlier that the the conversation about risk has shifted materially that these guys are on a path here where they're going to deliver some more some more tightening um but that said I mean, what, the question is do you think two more hikes which is i 
I mean, if core if, if core is getting down to two and a half run rates, say, and you're seeing that in the three month pace by uh, October, let's say, um, and that's about when they should be doing their second hike, right? Uh, Why not know, September? Uh, second hike will come in September if you're continuing to get good job growth. They'll do go twi- they'll go both July and September. Well, they could go every every other, right? I mean, they with, could, okay. but they. I don't. I don't want to fight that point. But I'm just saying, if you're running two and a half, and 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 the payrolls are still running kind of two fifty, let's say they 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 do go again. Do you think that's enough? And then they pause there. They say, okay, we're done. Your your, your sense is that would be enough to push the U.S. economy into recession in twenty four. I'm not sure. That's my point. I'm I'm not sure. I'm well, not sure. Yes or no. If you had to say yes or no, what would you say? Well, I'm going to say let's see where we are when they do that. But uh, <laughs> uh, look, I I I don't. Uh, I, I think we're moving into territory which I don't think we've been in until recently, where we're starting to put you know a, a decent amount of policy restriction in place. There still is. There still is. I think some pretty important supports, and you were kind of talking about them earlier with the uh, the service sector that I don't think are going to be here that much longer. I, I think they're going to start to fade. You, you, we may have it. So I think when you're looking out that far, you turn to some of the more fundamentals, right? You just say this is an economy and this is a global point that there's just it's not very interest sensitive and, you know, healthy balance sheets, debt to income ratios low. And by the way, we just did the, the debt service ratio for the EM as well as the DM now. And none of these things are looking like there's a lot of pressure points that are going to be. So you t- let me ask, let me throw the question to you. What interest rate do you think will be uh, the level that will tip the U.S. into recession? It's, it's, I guess I could, I can flippantly say, but the, the true answer is, I don't know, but I, I think it's more than 50. Uh, well, I'll say <laughs> you with me. <laughs> no, no, no. But I will say this. I, cause I'm going to answer the question I gave you. I think if you hiked 50 basis points more, two more hikes, and you told me we're still running 250,000 on payrolls, but inflation looks like it's come down. That to me is Goldilocks because inflation's come down in a world where you're still generating job growth. That to me is a supply slide, a supply side revival. And it tells me you've got a resilient economy, but with lower inflation, the Fed can stop there. And I think it will gradually generate some slowing, but maybe you can start to generate that soft landing. So I would say you'd, it doesn't break the back of the expansion. I'd so to, maybe a hundred basis points. I don't know. 100, 150, like something in the 650. I'm going to let you talk yourself out here. Just keep talking, Joe. <laughs> well, at least I'm giving an answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let's um, sort of talk for a second also about financial markets. I think there are a few things here that are worth talking about. One is currencies. Um, it is interesting that, you know, through this period where we're seeing um, somewhat less fear being expressed in financial markets, that the dollar is not really moving. And it does feel like there's a kind of a interplay here between rising risk appetite that's um, moving uh, capital out of the US uh, and uh, um, higher Fed expectations that's moving up, up interest rates. And it's actually having an interesting role to play for EM. And I think there's there's a there's a there's an interesting thematic point here. Inflation coming down, 
without a dollar rise in EM currencies weakening. I mean, that kind of opens doors. For... You, it, it comes back to where we started this conversation, which is if you're not breaking, then you're kind of mid-cycle and all those types of mid-cycle dynamics take hold. And that a mid-cycle dynamic is very kind of, uh, you know, negative on the dollar, capital flowing to the EM and, and this kind of all this virtuous circle that is, and then for the EM, by the way, who has really uh, gotten tight, uh, you know, it allows them to start uh, cutting rates and we still are, we're pulling forward the rate cutting cycles there. Uh, even in a world where we have the Fed hiking more and the ECB hiking more. But that's all because we feel like we're not end cycle dynamics. We're more, this is just more of a mini cycle and we're going to get a, a bounce here, aided by a good sector bounce, which also helps the EM. Right. And this gives them the flexibility to start easing policy. And we're, yeah. you know, at the same time, it's an interesting dynamic that at the same time we're inching our DM policy calls higher. We're entering our EM policy easing calls, not maybe lower, but at least earlier, um, across a set of a set of countries. Obviously, more concentrated in Latam than anywhere else. Um, but that seems to me to be sustainable as long as this thing is a, as you say, a, a Goldilocks feel where you're getting growth that's holding up and inflation that's uh, globally moving down. So. Um, I mean, the other thing I just maybe will end on this note, it does feel that one of the potential pressure points here is is rising long-term interest rates. As we went through last year, one of the pressure points was how rapidly long-term interest rates moved up. Uh, we've reversed uh, most of the U.S. Treasury yield uh, rally that took place after uh, the banking sector stress came in. And our Treasury strategy team, you know, led by Jay Barry, is kind of pointing to not only that the fair value would suggest we move up towards 4%, but that there's a positioning issue here that could, um, if um, uh, investors move back to more neutral positions in treasuries, could actually lead to a decent upside around that fair value level. So that's definitely something to uh, watch out for here. You know what um, else we should watch out for? Uh, I can't. Payrolls, payrolls next week. I was going to say you should bring us home with just giving there's there's PMIs, there's payrolls. Just yeah. give us the flavor of what we're going to get. I think it's going to be kind of more of this kind of generally good good news, right? I mean, we're looking for 200,000 on payrolls. I, I think that's not too far off of consensus. An unemployment rate that um, ticks back down to 3.6. Earnings growth that is solid, three tenths, I think. What does that do? The OIA probably keeps it at about a little over four and a half, maybe. Um, no, I think it's below four and a half, Joe. A uh, little bit below know. four and a half. It's over four, though, right? I think it's like it was four two or four three, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know what it'll do to it. All right. Um, so solid income growth. I, you know, I think that's going to be good. I, 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 you flagged the the flash PMIs. You're right. Those were a, a sore point for us last week, um, and we'll be getting the full set of PMIs next week. I don't know what to expect. Obviously, it's the EM ones that we're looking for there, but we've, we've started off on a bad note with the DM that looked, looked quite weak. We did get the MBS PMI in China today, and manufacturing ticked up a little bit. Services were down a bit more, uh, but I feel like China's kind of charting its own kind of uh, course of malaise right now with policymakers very reticent to, to do much more until that pull-up bureau meeting in July. 
Okay, so let's let's end it there. I think it is striking just to see how the tone of this conversation has has shifted yeah. in the last few weeks. Where we're you know it's it's not so much that our views have changed, but it feels like what we're debating with people about have changed. Uh, and it looks like I'm getting you know Goldilocks Joe starting to come out of the woodworks again <laughs> after a few months of of uh, going away hibernating for the winter. So we'll have that to continue the. Uh, healthy debates on in the coming weeks. Um, so with that, uh, thank everyone for for listening and hope that we can continue this conversation again next week on JP Morgan TV. Take care.